All right, as you stand, if you will turn to the Psalms, and we are going to read Psalm 4 this morning. And if you're using one of the Bibles in the pew in front of you, you can find it on page 529. Again, this morning's scripture is Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Let's pray. Our glorious Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the truths it contains. Lord, we thank you for revealing it to us. We just echo the, uh, the psalmist as he uh, just says, Lord, that you have put joy in our heart, and uh, we know that you have set us apart for you, God, that our hope and, and our peace comes from the fact that we are yours alone, God, both in body and in soul and in life and in death, and God, we alone are, are your treasure. God, we just thank you for, um, Lord, just giving us peace when times of trouble Uh, shake us. God, use your word to affect us this morning and change our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this morning we are beginning a uh, brand new worship series called Summer in the Psalms, Part 2. And if you're wondering why it's Part 2, it's because Part 1 took place five years ago, back in 2014, when uh, we took some time in the summer to go through some different psalms, and uh, we're going to do the same thing again for the next uh, few weeks here in the remainder of the summer. Uh, for those of you that are here, maybe you're not familiar with the psalms, but the psalms are the, the fat section in the middle of your Bible. It's actually a collection of 150 different songs and prayers all compiled together in one book, which makes it the longest book of the Bible. King David actually wrote most of the Psalms that we, we have here in, in what we're going to look like, I mean look at, along with a few other men. Uh, the Psalms are actually, uh, they're quoted more often in the New Testament than any other Old Testament book. It is probably uh, the most popular book in the Old Testament, if not for some people, it's their, their favorite book of the Bible, the Psalms. And one reason why the Psalms are often so popular is that they have this wonderful capacity to capture the reality of our own emotions and experiences of life. It never ceases to amaze me how the Psalms can speak to us, speak so specifically to every season of life. They speak to us in our sorrow, 
despair, loss, fear, uncertainty, and crisis. They express our gratitude, joy, hope, and love for God. They capture our concerns, worries, even our anger and frustrations. It's almost every emotion known to mankind can be found in the Psalms. I think that's why people love the Psalms so much. It's through every season of life the Psalms uh, put to words often what we feel. And it even helps us to connect our hearts to God when we often are, um, we don't know how. So this summer we're going to discover just how relevant, just how practical this ancient songbook is to our lives. So whatever you're feeling this morning, whatever you're going through, there's a psalm for you. Which brings us to our first psalm this summer, which is Psalm chapter 4. But I want to begin with what the psalmist writes in Psalms 127, verse 2, where he says, For he, that is the Lord, grants sleep to those he loves. I actually like how the Eugene Peterson paraphrases it. Uh, in the message translation, he says, uh, paraphrasing this verse, Don't you know the Lord enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Sleep, a, uh, a good night's rest, is a gift from God. However, how often have you missed out on this gift? How often have you tossed and turned, staring at the darkness of the ceiling because insomnia had taken over your life? So what do you do when you can't sleep? You find it difficult to sleep. You, you wake up all the time at night, and when you wake up, you can't go back to sleep. It takes you a long time to go back to sleep. Well, you can try counting sheep. That's one option. In fact, believe it or not, counting sheep is a mental exercise used in some cultures as a means of putting oneself to sleep. Although the practice of counting sheep is largely a stereotype, and rarely used as a solution for insomnia, the Serta Mattress Company, some of you may sleep on one, branded their own herd of counting sheep in advertisements. In fact, they've even sold these plush toys of sheep uh, as part of their advertisement. Now, there are many reasons why people fail to get a good night's sleep. Uh, some are just for personal reasons. Some are perhaps you know, physiological reasons. But many of the reasons are what we would say, spiritual in nature. At least that's what Psalm 4 here would indicate to us. And so let me give you the big idea. Uh, the whole message of what David is trying to communicate to us here in Psalm 4. And that is this. When you can't sleep, don't count sheep. Instead, talk to the shepherd. When you can't sleep, don't count sheep. Instead, talk to the shepherd. That's the message we learn from David here in Psalm chapter 4. Psalm 4 is what is known as a, quote, evening psalm. It's actually a companion to Psalm chapter 3, which means Psalm 3 is meant to be prayed before getting up in the morning, and Psalm 4 is meant to be prayed before going to bed in the evening. Both of these psalms, Psalms 3 and Psalms 4, were written by King David, 
Both Psalms were written in a time of trouble in David's life, a time of distress. Both Psalms speak of the peace and security that David then finds in the Lord. And for this reason, Psalm 4 is considered a psalm of lament. But it is also, as we're going to discover, a psalm of confidence. In fact, what you find here in Psalm 4 is it moves from one to the other, from this distress in David's life to this, his confidence in God. And though he is hurting, though he is in distress and he is troubled, David is confident that the Lord will not abandon him in his trouble, but he will, in fact, restore him and bless him. Now, we don't know exactly if the trouble in Psalm 4 is the same as the trouble in Psalm 3. In Psalm 3, we know what it is because David tells us in the heading of the psalm. He was fleeing from his son Absalom. When Absalom revolted against David and was rebelling against David and and, uh, gathered men with him to do so and to overtake his throne. That was the trouble of Psalm 3. And that might be the same trouble that David's alluding to here in Psalm 4. We don't know for sure because David doesn't tell us. In fact, there's some evidence in this psalm that may suggest a different crisis, a different trouble, one in which malicious slander and false accusations were being made against David, perhaps by some of the men that his son Absalom gathered together in order to rebel and revolt against his kingdom and throne. In other words, what we find here is that it's not so much David's person that's being attacked here in this psalm, but rather his reputation. Whatever the trouble is, Psalm 4 shows us, though, that it is valuable trouble. Now, that seems like an oxymoron to us, doesn't it? Who, in their right mind, puts value to trouble? Very few of us do. And yet David shows us that there's value to this trouble in his life here. For the heading shows us, and what I mean by the heading, if you look in your Bibles there, right under Psalm 4, there's a heading under it. And it shows us that this psalm was written to the choir master to be used in public worship for a choir or even for a congregation to sing. Why? Because the message of this psalm is valuable for all the people of God. Though trouble is all around you, even the troubles of the worst kind, the message is this. You can find peace and rest in God. So what do we need to learn, though, from this psalm that we too may find peace in times of trouble and enjoy God's gift of a good night's sleep? Well, There are three truths that I want us to draw out from David's psalm here. Notice the first truth, and that is God answers the cries of the troubled. He answers the cries of the troubled. Now, there's no doubt David is going through a very distressing time in his life. Listen to me. Circumstances beyond his control have overwhelmed him like a flood. And he knows that he can only look in one direction for help. And so he does. He turns to God. 
He cries out in verse 1, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Now, I trust that you can almost feel the anguish in these words of David. If this verse shows us anything, it shows us the depth of trouble David is experiencing. These are the cries of a very desperate man. In fact, twice in this one verse, David cries out to God, answer me when I call. Hear me when I pray. And so David had nowhere else to turn. And so he turned to God and he pleaded that God would rescue him from his trouble. Which strikingly is where the psalm not only begins, but it's where it ends here in verse 8. Quickly glance there and you'll see where David says, speaking to God, For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You ever been in this place before? When you have nowhere else to turn but to the Lord. That's a difficult place to be in life. But may I also say that's a very good place to be in life. When the troubles of life are too big for you to handle by yourself, and when you have to come to the end of yourself, it's good to cry out to the Lord for help. So what does David know about the God to whom he cries out to? Well, he knows that his God is righteous. He says he's the God of my righteousness, which may refer to God being righteous, or he is the God of David's own righteousness. What does this mean? It means like David that you can pray with confidence when you cry out to the Lord. Notice this in your notes here. It says because God is righteous, you can pray with confidence that he can give you relief in your distress. You see, David knows God's character. He calls him God of my righteousness. It is sometimes transferred here, my righteous God. He knows God can be trusted, in other words, because he's righteous to do the righteous thing or the right thing on behalf of his righteous people. In other words, the righteous God that David is praying to vindicates the righteous cause of his people. And you know what that does for David? It gives him confidence. And so does the fact that he has experienced God's help in the past. When David says, speaking of his God, you, you have given me relief when I was in distress. Now that verb is past tense. So it tells us this is something God has already done for David. And the word for distress here is a very interesting word. It means a tight place. And it carries this idea of being pressed or being squeezed. Let me tell you, that is how we feel oftentimes in the middle of trouble. We are being squeezed. We are being in this tight place. And we feel like it's just coming down upon us. And whatever that circumstance is, whatever that trouble is, we feel it emotionally. It's bearing down on us. It's like a weight. It's like a burden. And we're 
confounded, we're conflicted, we're constricted, you name it. We're in this tight spot. We're in a tough place. But the Lord, for David, he says, brought relief. How? By making space in such a condition. That's what God did for David in the past. And that now gives him confidence to go to the Lord here in the present. All of this leads David to cry out to the Lord here in verse 1 now. God, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. David needs God to give him some space in a tight spot. His plea for grace implies that David has a lack of resources. He's in a desperate situation. He's in a helpless condition. And yet, David is not in despair about this. I find that amazing. Why? Because David has confidence that God will hear him and help him because of God's character. And because of God's previous relief that was given to David. In the first lines of his prayer, it is so interesting what David focuses on versus what most of us have a tendency to focus on in our lives and even when we begin to pray. You see, David's focus in his prayer in the beginning is not on his problems. It's not on his circumstances. It's not on his trouble. Rather, he focuses on God's character. And he remembers God's goodness. And then he pleads for God's grace. Now, what do we take away from this? What should we learn? Oh, we learn something about the nature of biblical prayer. In that it focuses on God a good deal more than we are prone to do. In fact, in David's trouble, it's also interesting where he does not turn. He turns to the Lord, and he does so in prayer. In fact, the application for us, if I can lovingly say, would be when you're in a tight spot, when the troubles are coming in on you, instead of turning to friends, instead of even turning to social media and Facebook and expressing your emotions and your despair and your distress, your cries of trouble, listen, first turn to the Lord in prayer and express your heart to him in that medium. For God alone is the one who can bring you help. God brought David help in the past, and David is banking on the fact that God can do it again in the present. In times of trouble, call out to God in prayer with confidence that he will hear you and that he can give you relief in your distress. The second principle we see in this prayer is, number two, God honors the conduct of the godly. Now, this is the most interesting part of the whole psalm. It's right here in the middle section. In verses 2 through 6, in which David does something that's not normal. He actually relates to those who are harming him or those who are actually causing him his trouble, his distress. You see, David's reputation is being drugged through the mud. His integrity is being questioned in every direction. And in a rather strange turn, David begins to address 
his enemies or his adversaries, those who are slandering him. He calls on them to examine their own hearts, to examine their own motives and their actions. And he actually challenges them to repent of their sin and to trust in the Lord as well. Now, what you have to remember is that David's doing this not to them face to face. He's doing this in prayer before God. And it's almost like David's having this dialogue with God as he's doing this. And then he turns, in an imaginary way, he's talking to his adversaries, his his enemies, those who are slandering his reputation. But he's doing it in prayer to God. This is amazing. So let's look at this. In what's happening in this avenue here, in trying to help his enemies here, he inevitably, what he's doing is he's helping himself. Because David is reminding himself in prayer, here's the conduct of the godly that God honors. These dudes here, they're not treating me right. They're being wicked, they're doing wrong. And he's reminding himself, I'm not going to act that way, I'm not going to respond that way. And he's doing it in the mode of prayer to God. So notice the address, he addresses actually three groups of people, which all may be the same group, but three, they're doing three different things. Number one, first of all, David warns the slanderers. David rhetorically asks his enemies in verse 2, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? And David calls them, O men, which may indicate that these were men of high degree, perhaps distinguished and influential people, the movers and shakers in Israel, which is why some people think these, this, these, this O men group of people may be the people that his son Absalom gathered together to overtake the throne of David. They were trying to ruin David by bringing false accusations against him with no basis in fact. And they were seeking to disgrace David by spreading lies about him with vain words or futile words, empty words. Now, here's the question. What defense do you have against that? What defense does David have against such slander? Well, Again, he's not trying to defend himself on social media. And I know he didn't have it in that day. May I, may I just say a plea here? That is the last place to defend your reputation. Instead, he turns to God to defend him. He turns to God's special protection in verse 3. Notice what he says. But know that the Lord has set Apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. In other words, the one who loves God, the one who seeks God's ways is under the watchful care of the Lord. And though trials and troubles may come into our lives, listen, God fully realizes when the godly are suffering. And in David's case, it was a reminder that as the anointed king of Israel, David had God's special protection on his life. God will not abandon him, but will stick by him. Why? Because God had set him apart as his anointed king over Israel. And so David declares 
to these slanders, but doing so to God in prayer, listen, that he is the one whom God loves. He is the one whom God has chosen for himself. Therefore, to try to discredit him is to deny God's unfailing love for him. Now, David, he was absolutely set apart in a, quote, premier sense. Listen, as the anointed king of Israel, we could say David had a a special standing before God. But this should not discourage us here this morning. For in principle, listen, we stand in David's sandals as God's sons and daughters in Jesus Christ. David shows us here that the weapon against slander is to remember how God regards you and to hold on to what God has said about you in his word. True, we may not be anointed kings of Israel, but if we are chosen, if we are redeemed, if we are loved by God, then we should be just as confident that God hears us when we cry out to him. If God has said to us in Isaiah 43.1, don't be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Then why should we listen to the babblings and slander of our enemies? Instead, do what David did. As James Boyce writes, in your praying Remind your enemies that God will take care of you. And you will find that the very act of reminding them will strengthen your own confidence. Second, David then turns and he counsels now the angry. Look what he tells them in verse 4. He says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Now this verb, be angry, can also mean tremble Or shake. But tremble in what way? Well, it could mean trembled in anger. Or it could also mean, which is, I think, a better way to translate it or uh, understand it, to tremble in fear before God. That is to stand in awe of God and stop sinning as you have been doing. Now, how do you do that? Primarily, by doing what David says in the second part of verse 4. He goes on and he says, ponder or meditate, think about in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. In other words, David tells them to think carefully about their sins at night when they go to bed and let that quiet reflection before God Cause them to change their ways of trying to shame the godly with slander. And so what David is saying here is that the way that you tremble for, before God in fear and stop sinning, and which has application for us, just as it had application for David, even though he's directing this to those who are slandering him, The application is for everyone. He's basically saying the way you tremble in fear before God and stop sin is by getting alone with God at night on your bed. Now, why at night on your bed? Well, even David back then knows that that's where the quietness can take place. 
It's where it's just you and your thoughts are before God. The distractions are removed. The competing voices are out. And then keep silent. In other words, you listen to God speak to you. And you might even open up the word of God and let him speak to you. And listen to God's voice in those moments before you go to sleep. David gives the positive response of all this in verse 5, where he then says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Right sacrifices come from a heart that's right with God. As David teaches later on in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. And so a righteous God requires righteous sacrifices. And such sacrifices can only come from those, David says, who trust in God. Not from hearts bent on destroying other people through slander or false accusation. Now, let's kind of call time out here for a moment. Were David's enemies... These people, perhaps Absalom's cohort of men who were trying to overthrow his his throne, were these enemies, those who were slandering him, were they likely to follow David's advice in this prayer? Do you think they were going to tremble before God, repent of their sin, and begin to trust the Lord? Not very likely. Doesn't mean it wasn't possible but not likely. In fact, as we already mentioned, it's not even likely that David spoke these words to them. They are part of the psalm. These are words that David spoke to God in his prayer, even though he would have liked to have spoken them to his enemies face to face. But here's the important thing. Although his enemies probably did not come to trust God, who did? David did. That's the point. He had trusted God in the past, And now he's reminding himself of truths that he already knows. And he's doing it in prayer, and he's trusting God in the present. And like David, you may be facing your own cries of trouble, troubles that are causing you distress and perhaps even sleepless nights. God may appear to be distant in your life. He may even appear to seem to be silent in your life. But remember the conduct of the godly. God knows the circumstances surrounding your life. He hears your prayers and he calls you to trust him. David now turns his attention to a different group, although it could be the same group, but they're showing a different response. And that is David encourages the despairing. According to verse 6, there are many who say, Who will show us some good? These people, to put it in our vernacular, man, they're in a pit of discouragement. Now, we can't deny this is how we tend to react when our own hopes and our expectations fail to materialize. And in our despair, we ask, oh, God, 
When will you ever do something different? When will you act on my behalf? God, when will you reverse the curse in my life and begin to show me some good in my life? That's basically what these people are asking. And boy, we've been there, done that, right? Perhaps you're still there in doing that. What's David say to this? What's his answer to this? Well, he responds with a simple prayer in verse 6, where David says, Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Now, that's a really interesting phrase, because what David is doing, he is actually lifting out a line of the worship service when the children of Israel would come to the temple and worship God. He's paraphrasing part of the benediction or part of a blessing that the priest would pronounce over Israel in their worship service. And this benediction or blessing is actually found in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. Listen to it. The Lord bless you. And this is what the priest would say. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so what David does here in a form of a prayer is he takes the priest's blessing, the priest's benediction, and he turns it into a prayer for God's favor upon the despairing. You know what this means? Apparently, David actually believes that benediction and that blessing of the priest. Which is cool. Because for David, listen, it's not just a mere cliche at the end of worship. It's not just a religious way of saying, that's the end, have a nice day, see you next Sunday. It's one reason why, if you've ever noticed in our worship service, at the end, after we take up the offering, what do we do? We end with a song. We end with worship to God as a reminder of who our God is and who we are in relation to God. We leave on a worship note. And in a sense, some of those songs are even blessing God and God asking God to bless us. But that happens all throughout the service. Isn't it interesting that sometimes what we need most as Christ followers, listen to me, when you are in trouble, when you are in despair, is right here in the worship service. And so I get it. When you are in trouble, when you are in despair, most people, their tendency is to isolate. I don't feel like being with people. I don't want to go to church. I may cry. I may do this. I may whatever. I don't feel like it. And that's the last thing to do. For it is in the worship service where we come into the presence of God in a unique way with God's people and God's prayers that are prayed by God's people. And we hear the preaching of his word. And we have the singing of, of, of God's people. And all God uses that in a unique way to lift us up and encourage us. So think twice when you are in despair and you're like, I don't feel like going to church. That's when most you need to come. David is showing us the heart of the godly. 
They desire the grace of God. They desire the blessing of God and even the comfort of God. And that's exactly what God gives here in point number three, the third truth. God gives comfort to the humble. This is where the entire psalm is headed. The psalm is about trouble and finding peace in times of trouble. And David gives testimony of the peace he has found in his own times of trouble here in verses 7 through 8, where he writes, God, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. What we see here is the comfort the Lord gives to us in prayer. God gives the comfort of joy. First of all, David begins with a comparison. David pictures the days of harvest when the grain has come in and all are enjoying the fruit of their labor. When the new wine is freely flowing and everyone is enjoying it. And David's testimony to that is this. God has given me greater joy than those who are reaping an abundant harvest. In other words, David is saying, I have more gladness and more joy than what they have at harvest. Picture David. He's in distress. His enemies are slandering him. They are mocking him. And David says, it matters not. Why? Because I have the comfort of joy that's not dependent upon my circumstances or what people are saying about me or not saying about me. My joy is dependent on God alone. I don't need the abundance of harvest to have joy. I don't need the wine to freely flow to have joy. I don't even need everything to go well in my life to have joy. I just need God, David says who gives me the comfort of joy in my heart. This is the key. The source of our joy as Christ followers comes not from the world and what the world offers us. Or how well life goes or how well it doesn't go. How well our expectations get met and our dreams get materialized. That is not the basis of our joy. Listen to me. Our joy comes from the Lord. This is not a manufactured joy. This isn't a joy through mental techniques of thought. This is a God-given joy to those who trust in the Lord. It's the same thing that Paul would later write. In Romans chapter 15, 13, where he, in a sense, prays. It's a prayer of blessing. It's a benediction where he says, may the God of hope fill you with what? All joy and peace in believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. But God doesn't stop there. Oh, God is so generous. He is so gracious. He not only gives the comfort of joy, but he gives the comfort of peace. This is the punchline of the psalm. This is the point. Finding peace in times of trouble. And you find it through trusting in the Lord. As a result, David confidently declares in verse 8, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now notice this. This peace that David speaks of, it's secure because God's the one protecting it. And this peace is tangible. This is not pie in the sky. This is tangible peace. Why? Because with this peace, David says, I can now 
lie down and what? Sleep. That's tangible. Let me tell you, people pay big money to get that. That's what the world wants more than anything, is peace in their life so that they go to bed at night and they can sleep restfully. And as Christ followers, that's what we get from God when we put our trust in him. Despite all of his trouble, David finds his rest in the Lord. As one commentary says, at the end, David has seen that he is better off than his adversaries. He has advised them to lie still on their beds in an attempt to curtail their evil. But he could lie on his bed and sleep the sleep of peace which came from God. It's always that way. If we will leave our problems with God, he will shoulder them and he will enable us to sleep in peace. And so what we see here in this psalm is that David has cried out to the Lord in prayer in his time of trouble. He has confidently pleaded for God's grace, and he knows that he has the Lord's favor on his life. All that's left to do is what? Is to lay down for a good night's sleep. His enemies may be against him, but his Lord is on his side. As Paul says in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? So what do you do when you're distressed and you can't sleep? Notice this in your notes. Turn to the Lord in prayer first and foremost. Don't turn to your friends necessarily. Especially don't turn to social media. Turn to the Lord in prayer and trust in his protecting grace that brings peace in times of trouble. We are set apart for the Lord. We have prayed for his grace and put our trust in him. So no matter what is going on around me, I can lie down in peace and sleep. Listen, my enemies may struggle on their bed, but I will sleep in mine. They may lay awake in fear, but I will sleep with a peace that surpasses all understanding because I trust in the Lord. I know that my security is not dependent upon me. My security is in the Lord who will never leave me nor forsake me. Listen, David was able to pray this sort of prayer, and you can as well if you will trust the Lord in times of trouble. The bottom line is this. Remember, when you can't sleep due to spiritual reasons, don't count sheep. Talk to your shepherd. Let's do that now. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Oh, how we thank you for hearing the cries of your people. Lord, be gracious to us in times of trouble. Grant us the comfort of your peace so that we may lie down and sleep knowing that you are the God of our righteousness. May we trust in you and your protecting grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask Jeremy and the praise team to come on up, and we're going to go straight into our offering here. And so as they prepare for our offering, they're going to lead us in a song, and uh, we'll receive the offering. Once we're done with that, we're going to have you guys stand, and we're going to sing again. And you sing it to the Lord. Sing it confidently, knowing that our Lord hears those who trust in him.